Welcome back to the Village Bonfire for another episode of the Wild Sacred Journey podcast. A podcast not just for your mind, but for your body and spirit too. Here we don't just talk theory. Instead, we compassionately engage with our lived experiences and a wide variety of topics together, all to invite the question, in these times we find ourselves in, how do we be more human? Thank you for being here. May these conversations awaken, inspire, repair, and evolve something deep within each of us and serve the wild, tender aliveness of our personal and collective hearts. So welcome back to another episode around the Village Fire uh, here at Wild Sacred Journey podcast. So as always, begin with lighting our candle. Hmm. Inviting in the energy of community, of belonging, of connection of nourishment, of ancestors, of beyond human kin of the land. Of the stars and all the celestial bodies. And everything in between. And so we take a few breaths together. Feeling our inhale, perhaps soften our chest or expand our chest and our exhale to soften it. Feeling our inhale lengthen our spine. And our exhale, letting us just settle back towards it. Feeling on the inhale, our feet and our pelvis rooting down wherever we are. And on the exhale, feeling the nourishment of those roots rising back up through our bodies. Feeling the breath, feeling aliveness flow through us, between us, within us, around us. And just taking a moment to say thank you, thank you, thank you. So thank you for gathering. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So this is Daje and I, yeah, um, first encountered Daje actually on Instagram, sort of through a web of loosely connected people, which was pretty amazing how that, that social media web sometimes works <laughs> for all that. And it can be in rabbit hole. It's also can be a really beautiful web of connection. Um, and yeah, I felt an like immediate affinity vibe um, around her approach to topics like rewilding of body and mind and sort of the decolonizing even of body and mind and story. 
um, and all that through connecting with nature, through story as medicine, and through um, also being one of the people like me that asking the deep questions and being willing to not be soundbitey even on social media. And so I was like, ah, yes, my people. <laughs> And, uh, yeah. And so, and then also just loving how, yeah, how you, how she was weaving, um, business and story and at the time and just sort of personal, um, on personal unfolding, I guess. Um, and so, yeah. And so I, last year I was actually out in Santa Fe and I discovered that Bajay had just moved out there. And so I sort of spontaneously reached out and we met up for tea and had a lovely conversation in the sun. And, um, yeah. And so I just have massive amounts of respect for you and, um, your path and, and who you are and how you walk it and how you share it with others. And, um, yeah. And so thank you, um, for, yeah, for joining, for joining me today. I'm really, I feel very fortunate to sort of have you as a fellow journeyer in my wider web of kin. So yeah, um, thank you. That. Thank you yeah. for having me, Kate. It's such a pleasure. Um, and yeah. I love the spirit of your podcast and yeah, just like your intentions to have these conversations that um, feel, I mean, I'm immersing myself in these conversations, but when we step outside of the circles that we're in, we realize, mm -hmm. oh, they are quite rare mm -hmm. um, and countercultural and alternative mm -hmm. even. And, and that is in and of itself, like part of the secret gift mm -hmm. of being able to find people who are like-minded, like-hearted. So mm -hmm. thank you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, part of why I started this, it's funny. There were a lot of different reasons, but, but part of why was, you know, I was, I would find that um, people, clients would come to me about something personal. And if they work with me long enough, suddenly the personal actually becomes collective. You know? <laughs> and then it kind of reaches this point where they're like, wait, I'm making all these internal changes, which are rippling out into my life into these external changes. And suddenly I'm realizing like how unnourished I'm feeling Mm. on this like wider level of like community of this sort of ancestral way of like knowing and relating in these deeper conversations. And yeah, I mean, like you, I feel like I'm immersed in that. And so I'm sort of like, what do you mean? There's people all around. And then I was like, oh wait, I know all these people, but all these people don't necessarily like know each other. And how do we mm. start to like how can I maybe start to help weave that web so that people are finding these conversations in different ways and, and feeling some more of that connection. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah, thank you. So, uh, I'll share your professional bio. So Dajay James is a storyteller, flower essence practitioner, and space holder for wild-hearted leaders and creative entrepreneurs. And through her work, she embraces the privilege of supporting creatives and owning their voices and waging beauty with their unique medicine. Combining the wisdom of the earth's natural rhythms with the practical magic of narrative design, she supports creatives in coming home to their true nature and self-initiating themselves into dharmic creative flow, which she defines as unique purpose plus God nature expressed, while boldly sharing their medicine with the world. So you can find her sharing daily musings and creative work on Instagram at the story doula. And if you're interested in connecting with her, I'll have her um, 
website and sort of a space where you can kind of connect with her through her website in in the show notes and and we'll talk a little bit more about that later but yeah her website is um the story doula.co so co so yeah so again welcome thank you thank you thank you for having me yeah so um i like to start each episode with sort of asking um yeah, beyond sort of your professional bio, beyond kind of the the doingness in the world, <laughs> um, what a, how would you like to introduce yourself, or what would you like people to know about you? Maybe in terms of identities, or roles, or locations, or ancestors, or lineages, or anything that sort of weaves you into the social fabric of things for people, or introduces mm-hmm. you in a way that feels really human for you for yourself that feels good. Yeah. Um, you know, one thing I have several variations of that bio and I always try to keep it as close to home as possible. Um, and one of my variations is that I'm, I'm, um, a Memphis born Appalachian cured storyteller. I come from a long lineage of ministers and storytellers and musicians who, have shared at high levels of beauty and consciousness, um, the love of God, you know, and the love of beauty and the love of the divine. And there are also people who have um, found liberation in unconventional ways. And I feel like I carry that lineage with me everywhere I go. Um, I especially think about my grandfather here, who was a reverend, a minister who grew up in the Mississippi South. Um, And as a dark skinned black man, and he hopped a truck and um, made it to Chicago to go to college. And that's where he met my grandmother, um, who was also going to college at the time. And they were both working in the cotton field to pay for college. So mm-hmm. it's such a like interesting um, like dynamic between his story and my story where I, um, you know, I grew up in a small subsect of Christianity that is considered a cult and um, and about mid high school, I started to recognize that what I was receiving from the divine and what I um, was hearing and listening to and and understanding wasn't the same thing that I was being taught. Mm. And so I ended up having to, um, you know, I worked two jobs in high school and I paid for a rental car that my mom drove. And in the middle of the night, we got into the rental car and secretly left Mm. and she dropped me off at college, um, which I secretly got into college. My stepfather Mm. didn't know about it and Mm. I haven't turned back since. And so I correlate these like spaces of liberation, these unconventional paths to finding my freedom and liberating my voice and discovering my my true nature, um, just very closely linked to how my grandfather oriented in the world and what he was about. And so, yeah, that's who I come from. Mm. Uh, that's where I come from. And I feel devoted to calling forth the deep song um, with my life and with my words. Um, I've felt called, um, invited, asked to spend my life in intercession 
um, when I was 18, I was crossing the street um, at the University of Tennessee, which is where I went not long after I um, secretly got away and made it up there, almost didn't get to stay because I didn't have enough money um, and I didn't have a place to go home to, but God really worked it out. Um, and then as I was walking the street, I heard the voice like coming from outside of me into me and that said, I'm going to make you into an intercessor. And I had no idea what that meant at the time. I didn't understand that. Um, and I didn't fully know how to receive it. It just felt like something that was happening to me. Um, but now I understand that moment in much, much more depth and layer and capacity. Um, and it feels still like my work to stand in the gap, to call forth new potentials from the soil of our future, and to really be about that, right? To really be about that in my own world, in my own life, and also in my work mm. and how I show up into like digital and virtual and online spaces. And to be so devoted to that, that I'm willing to release all other timelines, all other aspects, all other potentials that keep me stuck and, um, and cycling in on um, potentials that are not uh, for the purpose of liberation, for the purpose of being in our beauty, right, in our truth. So mm. that is, that's a little bit about me and where I come mm. from and what I feel called to in my work right now. Mm. Mm. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. It's a I was just aware as you were speaking of just kind of all these different themes, you know, and there's kind of this, um, yeah, there's like this question that's kind of come percolating for me about like, you know, like what, what do we, I don't know if oh is the right word, but in some ways, like what do we owe our ancestors and what do we owe the ones who come after, you know, mm -hmm. um, Yeah. And so maybe we actually start there. Like, I don't know. What do you think about that? Cause I hear in sort of your story. Yeah. Just a lot of your presence with kind of being aware really of where you come from and being aware really of what you hope for the future and then kind of being that bridge in between the two. And, and what is that? Yeah. Uh, yeah. That One thing that came to me is like, I find the, I find the ancestors, at least my ancestors who, um, are really just like very generous. They're very benevolent. Mm -hmm. Not all of them are. Some of them have a lot of pain and trial mm -hmm. they're still cycling through, but some of them are just extremely benevolent and they don't feel like I owe them anything. Um, and they just want a partner mm -hmm. and they want to witness and they want to listen. Mm -hmm. And some of them are so old. They're like, I don't even understand the human experience, but I <laughs> see so much potential for you. So just tell me about it. Right. Like they just want to mm -hmm. have these like very gentle, generous conversations and, um, and they are outside of time too. So like they, they get to see what could happen in ways that we don't always get to see what could happen. We don't always have that clear sight, like clear, clear mm -hmm. cognizance, clear sight. Um, mm -hmm. As we may have clear sight, we may have clear cognizance, um, clairvoyance, mm -hmm. uh, clear knowing, you know, all these, all these, the clears, the system mm -hmm. of the clears, love it. Um, and of course, there's so many more nuanced ways of seeing and knowing, but 
we might have that as a gift, but sometimes the ancestors have like a wider perspective and a more like multidimensional perspective of being able to see um, the Y axis a little bit more clearly where mm. there are multiple paths, many timelines that we can choose. And um, I feel like my ancestors always are in this role of like protecting um, me from choosing timelines that are not about what I say I want which is mm-hmm. liberation, which is love, which is freedom, which is joy, which is peace, which is safety, which is kindness, which is growth and nourishment. Um, and so when I think about the future ancestors, um, and I think about future ancestors a lot, I think about potential children, I think about um, descendants, I think about folks who are um, coming through the line Um there is also in a similar fashion, like all of this potential, all this possibility, all of these timelines that could be chosen. And as an ancestor to my descendant, my descendants, mm-hmm. it's really important for me to remember that, that I am choosing liberation so that they don't have to go through the same trials that I've gone through. So I'm like resetting the slate for them in a mm-hmm. way. So that they don't have their zero point starting place is not where my grandfather was or where I was when I was born. They actually get to be progressed further. And so I do find that for them, I feel a duty to them, kind of like my ancestors feel the duty to be in my life. Mm. Um, But I feel no, um, I don't feel like they owe me anything. I want them to Mm -hmm. create the world that they see in their imaginations and I want to do everything in my power to to nurture the soil in such a way um, that they feel like they can accomplish those things and so when I say soil I not only mean like the soil of the earth but I also mean the soil of collective imagination the soil of my nervous system and my epigenetic code the soil of everything that I'm going to pass down to them the soil of memories the soil of legacy all of that um, is how I you know how I um show up to my duty to my descendants to choose liberation to protect them so that they feel like they have that choice all the time and not um just when they're in crisis right so those are some things that I think about when I'm thinking about the ancestors and like future ancestors as Mm -hmm. well there's there's so much available for us creatively and I think it's so interesting too how you know we get so and I think it's kind of fun you know sometimes to pretend that we're we're so individual in the world right I think I think it's kind of fun it can be kind of like a play a game to pretend oh yeah like I can create everything in my reality the way that I want it to be um, and and do those things that that is fun and ultimately the byproduct of that is that we are impacting future generations mm-hmm. we're impacting our our culture in immeasurable mm-hmm. ways mm-hmm. um and so why like why not nurture that as like a future ancestor mm-hmm. to the descendants that are coming through mm-hmm. the line mm-hmm. yeah yeah How do you feel like, so I know, you know, for me, it's funny, you were talking about the ancestors. I was really mostly aware of the pain of my ancestors, you know, and a lot of lineages that just didn't feel right in my body. 
Mm -hmm. And, you know, and I think we all go through similar, I mean, we come from different places and we all have different experiences and on some level. And I think there's often similar steps that we kind of go through in sort of our connection. And a lot of that is informed by race and culture and religion and gender and all kinds of other like sort of societal identities, right. And roles and sort of these, these constructs that do inform culture in a way and, and how we view the world, um, or how we're raised to view the world. But, um, but, you know, I know for me, it's like, um, yeah, I think for a long time, I really rejected my ancestors, you know, because there was, and I felt like I needed to do that in order to be able to hear that clearer voice inside me. And, um, and interestingly, it was also in, um, while I was actually doing per some personal like anti-racism and sort of de inner decolonizing work that I started realizing like, oh, part of why I sometimes have this really entitled approach to other cultures and their traditions is that in rejecting my ancestors, you know, I've lost the thread of what might have been there that would have rooted me more deeply. And so I feel like the last four or five years or so I've been really deepening into um, ancestral connection. And so I'm curious, like, what, what are some of the ways that you've found, um, to be powerful ways to connect with your ancestors? You know, it sounds like you have really, you know, you have conversation with them. You have a, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a relationship that we create. And so what are some of the ways you show up for that relationship or carve out space for that relationship? Yeah. I mean, I, I take a pretty modern approach to these kinds of mm -hmm. things because um, I know that there's a lot of like rhetoric out there about going, going back to your cultures of origin and like practicing their religions and practicing their spirituality. And I find that to be um, really beautiful and at times quite limiting. Um, mm -hmm. And, and I have a very innovative spirit. So I um, don't necessarily always feel drawn to go and practice my ancestors' religions, um, but to witness them and honor them and see them and and feel less alone in them, sure, absolutely. Mm -hmm. So for me, connecting with my ancestors, um, my grandfather was a song artist and a musician, and he has, um, my father was is a producer. He's like, he's like a Nashville producer. He's done a lot of really beautiful and great work. And my grand, my father, like, uh, basically archived my my grandfather's music, and so sometimes I will just I will turn his music on and I will listen mm -hmm. to that, um, or sometimes I'll like I'll cook foods that I really enjoyed in childhood that my grandparents ate um, or fed us like hot water cornbread um, and greens and um, just like different things that we ate that is kind of a mixture of our cultures. So it's also really important for me to remember that I'm not just a black person, um, but that I'm also white and I'm also native as well. And um, sometimes I can get lost in, that's part of how I sometimes will reject my own ancestry is like I get mm -hmm. lost in only one story because of my skin tone. Um, but the reality is that I have a lot of ancestry and I have a lot of mixture. Um, and it is not wrong for me to 
honor and recognize um, how, I mean, I still have family who lives on the reservation who are black and native. And part of that lineage is that our native ancestors um, enslaved my West African ancestors because they were assimilating to um, to white white supremacy, mm. white culture in Mississippi. Mm. And of course, like that system disseminated and there was a new culture born. So many of my food, so much of my music, so much of my um, my my facial features, so much of my my style, so much of my like my my like what my soul is drawn to, even without the information, um, is is so much connected to that epigenetic code of like I have multiple, mm-hmm. I have many aspects. Like my anti blackness at times, my internalized like racism is is connected to that. My celebration mm-hmm. of my blackness and my nativehood is connected to that. Right, like there's there's a mixture here. And so part of how I honor my ancestors is I, I honor the truth of our story in the fact that I'm just like, you know, it's, it's complicated. Um, it's complicated. I don't just have one, one line of, um, of, of ancestry. I have many, many lines. And also my ancestry doesn't stop at like, when they were abducted my ancestry goes way far beyond that way far back into the in the past um and has so like on on all sides of the spectrum on on all in all color lines you know what I mean Mm -hmm. and so there is a richness here that I get to honor and there's also so many different cultures of my ancestry that I get to honor and part of how I honor that is just recognizing that we're like a full spectrum. My, mm-hmm. me and my ancestors, we are a full spectrum of, of power and forces and culture and art and voices mm-hmm. and ideologies. And I can't possibly just choose one. So how they honor me is they say, you choose. What do you want to create? What do you want mm-hmm. to build? What do you want to believe? What do you, what do you see? What do you sense? What do you know? Right. And, and pointing me back into my own like inner wisdom. They're like, yeah, you feel you feel drawn to talk to the trees. Talk to the trees. Do you feel drawn to talk to flowers? Talk to flowers. Please connect with us in this way. Like, do you feel drawn to put your feet in the dirt? Do you feel drawn to the sunflowers? Do you feel drawn to the rain? Yes, yes. These are the ways, these are the portals that you can connect with us through. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be one way. Um, and whatever objects that you find special that feel like a powerful offering to you, we will accept that. And we like our things too, but we also love what you're creating and what you're building, what you're finding meaning in. My ancestors are, and, and I, I want to offer this as a perspective on some of our like more open ancestors too. It's like the ancestors are sometimes non non coercive, and if ancestors are coercive, that like that's something that we can look at and say, oh, what is the belief or the agreement that I feel like I have with my ancestors right now, um, and like what do like what part of it is me and what part of them is actually their their ascended soul, right? And mm-hmm. so really looking at the fact that my ancestors are just like so like so for. Um, now that they can see everything, right? They're so for my expression, my creativity, my life, my joy, and how I'm showing up on earth right now. <laughs> and all they're here to do really is just protect me from um, dishonoring myself. 
and dishonoring my desires. So. Yeah. I love that. Thank you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. How I'm connecting. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And what I love about that is like, really what you're pointing to is you connect with the ancestors through honoring your body. And that's what I'm hearing anyway, is kind of like the overarching theme of sort of, or the main thread kind of in that beautiful tapestry, you just wove of sort of wisdom and options and explorations and celebrations and everything else. Right. And, and I think that's the thing for me when I was like disconnecting, when I was rejecting my ancestry, because I agree, it's not so much for me, it does feel like there's a looking back a little bit, but, um, but yeah, not because I think it was all perfect or somehow like that's where we need to go or even that what was then is relevant now. Like you said, the world has changed dramatically <laughs> depending on how far, how, how far back we're looking. Oh, yeah. Hold on just a second. I just uh-huh. realized this candle was still lit. Oh, okay. My bad. <laughs> no worries. Yeah, no, so no, no burning down houses while we're on conversations. <laughs> Um, yeah. And so, um, yeah. So, yeah. So I love what you're saying there because yeah, there is for me, it's like, it's the, even when I, in the moments where I am sort of looking back, it's so that I can actually access like, what were they feeling at that time? Oh my gosh. They went through that. Like recently I've been really connecting. I I also have a lot of diverse lineages, um, you know, mostly from Europe, but still, you know, before, before white was white, it was a whole <laughs> variety of things. <laughs> right, right. Um, and so, yeah. And so it's, um, I've been recently connecting more specifically with my Irish ancestry and, you know, and just really like, and it partly through song and partly through food and other things like that. But yeah, it was really, um, yeah, I remember like one day um, I was learning a song that was created at the time of the potato famine, the great famine, and it was a keening for the potatoes. And it was like a grief song that they just sang and they sang it to grieve all the people who left. Apparently, just reading this, there were like 9 million people living in Ireland before the famine. And there were about 4 million living in Ireland after the famine, like in terms of then exodus and then also like people who died and um so a whole host of things but anyway so it was just and it was like i don't as i was learning this song it was like this immense grief just like welled up in my body and if i were rejecting my ancestry i would never have felt like that was still in me that was still being held in my cells and in my somatic memory. And so being able to sing that song and tap into some of that. And and so for me in that moment, yeah, some of my ancestor work has just been like, oh, I'm actually acknowledging that a lot of this pain I feel in my body is your pain. Mm -hmm. And from there I can say, wow, I can really feel what you felt and like, okay, let's go ahead and let this go now. Like I, we both deserve better than for this to like be what's most present or, you know, what's most activated. And, um, yeah. And that's been really, yeah, really beautiful. So I, yeah, I love what you're sort of sharing there. And so I don't know. Yeah. Sorry. Were you going to say something? Okay. (laughs) Um, so with that thread, I think of sort of the body, you know, I know you and I, we were 
you have this book club that you've been kind of offering the the um, women who run with wolves book club and so I was really glad to get to to be there yesterday and and that piece about sort of instinct and intuition and there was a thread of that that was kind of coming up for me too when you were first sharing about you know your lineage and sort of like that moment where yes, like sort of celebrating and honoring God has been a part of your lineage. And yet there, you reached a point where you realized like, whoa, like something in me is very clear that what's happening around me is not the same as like what's right for me. And then even when you were, you know, hearkening back to your grandfather and kind of that, that something in him was like, there's this world out there telling me who and what they think I should be. And I'm going to say, no, this is who I, I know I am, you know? And so what is, yeah, I guess I'd like to sort of follow that thread a little bit. And, and it feels like that sort of weaving into the body and sort of the ancestors, but having that, that animal instinct of the body, and then that intuition, part of it may be divine, part of it may be ancestral, you know, whatever that sort of is, these sort of other, quote unquote, otherworldly voices um, that are sort of speaking to us and through us and with us, you know, yeah, what, what is that? for you I guess or yeah well one thing that's really really striking me recently is that um you know there's a lot of conversation on the internet right now about like becoming more intuitive or awakening your intuition um turning on your intuition and I think that that is such a valuable conversation because so many people um when they come into a stage of quote unquote awakening, it's kind of a shock. Um, I don't know anyone personally who has had a quote unquote awakening and it wasn't shocking. Mm. Um, it wasn't disorienting in some way, um, mentally, psychically, you know, and so when we're having these conversations about intuition, there's, I feel like sometimes there's something missing, mm -hmm. right? Like your intuition can't be found in a Skillshare class that's 15 minutes long. Like <laughs> it could be sparked. I'm not saying that things are impossible, but like one thing that's striking me is how ecosystemic and how relational intuition is. Mm -hmm intuition is a um is a communal like it's a, a communal experience it's not it's not a solo ride all the time um because the question that I want to ask too is like what are what are you connecting to when you're when you're connecting to your intuition your intuition is a communication device tool technology that's living inside of your body so who are you connecting to right even when you receive like intuitive hits about other people around you you're connecting your your um awareness is including others right and so with intuition being this like very communal experience this very com like like I think about like sacred ecology or spiritual ecology, it's very ecological, it's very ecosystemic. It has branches, it has wings, it has 
um, tendrils that reach outward and bring information in. Mm. The nervous system is a very physical representation of the intuitive self, as I like to describe it, out in the world. How does the intuitive self practically receive information? Mm-hmm. And so the same thing is with the instinct. So I think the intuition is like um, sort of like almost like a finer um, frequency of like information. It's more nuanced. There's more image and color where the instinct is more of, of the physical body. It's like, it's like, it's like, it's so deeply, it's like the layer below the nervous system, right? It's like that fight flight response, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? So it's not quite getting as neuro- nuanced yet. It's very much like a yes, no, mm-hmm. safe, not safe response. Mm-hmm. And so I think sometimes when people are receiving intuitive hits, oftentimes what they're receiving are instinctual hits. They're receiving that yes, no response from the body. And coming back to this, like, this is a very communal act. Your instinct and your intuition might be totally never flawed, ever, ever. It's never wrong. You always get it right. Totally, totally. That might be the case. (laughs) And from my own experience, what I know is that both of these technologies within my system are closely linked and closely tied with my nervous system. And my nervous system is templatized to a certain story or belief or understanding about the world that influences how I show up. So my instinctual nature and my intention, my, my intuitive nature are very closely tied to my systems of belief and how I see the world. It's tied to my programming. It's tied to my templates. And so how do we like unweave our inner knowing? How do we like sort of get a little bit more? This is where I think sovereignty really, really makes sense. It's like, how do I have a little bit more sovereignty, a little bit more creatorship in the way that I'm perceiving and receiving the world? Mm -hmm. Well, it's through community. Mm -hmm. We need elders, friends, Mm -hmm. sisters, lovers around us who can mirror back to us the understanding and the reality that we're holding on to so that when we can, when we step into those moments where we're making decisions, we are making decisions from a place that is, you know, I don't always like to use the word clear, but it's like true. It's resonant, right? Mm -hmm. There's a, there's a resonance about it. Mm -hmm. It's coming back in your unique color, your unique flavor, um, that the intuition and the instinct that's coming back to you is not tied up in other people's programs and ideas, which we have to grow up that way, but it's like totally yours. Like, it's like, we go through this process of like, we're birthed into the world, we're programmed, we need to be programmed in order to survive in the world. And then we go through adolescence and we begin to deprogram, right? And then we do that, we do that ebb and flow, we do that backwards and forwards over and over and over again until we become adults. And our program is our own, but we've been trained by the environment around us, by the people around us, by the guides around us, by the nature around us Mm -hmm. to discern the information correctly in a way that benefits not only our own lives, but also the culture around us. Mm -hmm. So there's a, there is, I feel like, you know, instinct and intuition are very different like functions they're like technology spiritual technologies physical technologies 
um, but they must be developed in the context of relationship. It's not just us out there on our own ever. It's the land, it's the people, it's it's the life. And as we grow into adulthood, we get to choose what do I want programming my my code, right? Like what do I want? What who who and what forces do I want? to embrace and to invite to sort of in some ways imprint onto my nervous system to show me something new about the world, to to give me the information that my my body, my soul, my spirit is looking for, Mm -hmm. who is Mm -hmm. having the kinds of conversations that feel alive and aligned to my own soul's frequency, flavor, um, way of being, my essence, my essential nature, right? Mm -hmm. So those are some things that I think about the relationship between the two and, you know, and to just kind of close out this thought, unless you have more, more thoughts to add onto it (laughs) is we do this work of like developing the intuitive self. I think of it as like the intuitive self, the intentional self and the instinctual self as like these aspects of ourselves that um, receive information and decide what to do with that. Mm-hmm. We, we develop that through initiation. Mm-hmm. So we come into contact with, oh, you know, this piece of intuitional information has brought me to this place in life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, I've got a lot of shit to deal with. <laughs> Didn't know that it was going to turn out like this. So we're initiated into our own refinement, our own inner knowing. But that's still relational. Not only are we relating to the information that we're receiving, you know, from the guides and the stars and the land, but we're also relating to the people around us. So yeah, yeah, we're just woven in in so many beautiful ways, but we also just get to choose how we want to, what we want to do with that information. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like I've often said to people, you know, um, I feel like there can be a lot of rhetoric, I think, because our society can be so unsupportive in general of particularly intuition. And, and certainly since that sort of tends to be whether correctly or no, tends to be linked more with kind of spirituality and a little bit more of sort of that otherworldly, as opposed to, like we said, instinct, which is really more that yes, no, safe, not safe, you know, (laughs) survival, not survival kind of like body response, um, which you know, is, is also, um, can receive, as you said, plenty of its own programming or sort of miss misattunement, but, um, as we, as we grow, but yeah, I feel like there's a lot of rhetoric that because our society tends to be so, um, dismissive in a lot of ways, I think of like the overculture in general can be very dismissive of intuition. And so, um, I noticed that Oftentimes I felt this in myself and I feel like that I've seen this sort of in some other people when we first start to kind of awaken to that or tap into that, there can be a little bit of like a superiority, you know, and I love that you just kind of talked about the Claire's, you know, like the clairvoyance, claircognizance, clairsentience, um, you know, whatever they all are, the clairaudience. And then there's one more I'm missing, but anyway, yeah, the different Claire's and, you know, and I think there's, yeah, part of why I don't love using the term psychic is it's like we're all a little psychic like it's actually just a language that we just haven't been taught to speak and understand and yet some part of our system is constantly receiving and responding 
on that frequency and we're just unaware of it. So I love that. Yeah. You were talking about like the intuition, the instinct, and then also the intention, like how conscious are we in, in our relationship between those other, you were sort of the, the four eyes, right? The initiation, the instinct, the intuition, and the, the, um, the intention. And yeah. So I love that, that, yeah, it, you know, that has always graded from for me a little bit, even though, like I said, I've been there and I've done that a little bit of that, like, oh, I'm picking up all this fancy information and let me be the conduit for you and like, or let me be the conduit of it, or I want to feel special somehow in being the conduit of it. And it's like, of course you're special. And also like everybody should have access to this because everybody does actually have access to this and that, you know, to really be intact and I like wholeness. I've really started moving towards wholeness rather than healing because I just don't love that term healing, but you know, our intactness, our moment to moment intactness has a lot to do with how well we're balancing and really how well those two things are interwoven within us, you know, Mm -hmm. and that instinct and that intuition and like, is my gut safe, unsafe, also interwoven with my intentionality, which knows that my nervous system sometimes responds to things as unsafe when in fact, they may not actually be just because unknown can also be unsafe. Right. And like, so how am I being intentional in that? And then how am I also using intuition to like, you know, parse out these like deeper, these more subtle, deeper, more mature messages, um, Mm that are coming through that are not unconnected from that safe, not safe. Yes. No gut kind of response. And yeah, it's, it's funny. I, you know, I, I think too, part of when we get into a lot of that spiritual bypassing or a lot of sort of the, some of the dangers of intuition, you know, or when we don't have anything to ground what we're sensing down into, you know, and I've seen that happen to people too, where, you go to these, like you said, 15 minute trainings, you know, that may or may not open you to some profound thing. And then without initiation, without community, without elders, without ritual, um, without some intactness and intention, like supporting our, our in, you know, that instinct as well. Like if we're, if we're already sort of disengaged from the body, which many of us are because our overculture actually encourages us to not really be fully embodied. Then it's like, we start to like sort of travel out quote unquote, to like sense these different things or connect in these different ways to these sort of much more subtle, intuitive things, whether they're guides, whether they're messages, whether they're, you know, quote unquote places, you know, And then, but it's like, where, where do you come back to? And like, how do you take what you're sensing and actually sort it into something that is like a helpful meaning-making tool instead of just like overwhelming amounts of information that that like we have no ability to sense like what's, yeah, where truth is. Um, Well, I kind of see like those experiences as part of the embodiment, like the viscerality mm. of them. mm. Mm -hmm. part of the embodiment is like yeah this like you know I I think about when I first had my like first awakening I remember walking in I was in I was like 18 or 19 I walked into a building and 
it, like I felt like this wave of depression and sadness and suicidality moving mm. through me. Mm. And, you know, if any like therapist or psychologist looked at me at that moment, they would have been like, oh, you know, they would have slapped any number of labels onto my experience and said, mm-hmm. you have this disorder that you're going to live with for the rest of your life. And what I actually knew um, was that I was having a moment and it felt like just a very intense moment of sadness where I just didn't feel like I belonged. Um, and what I felt like my, for some, like, thankfully I had these like rituals, spiritual rituals that supported me where, mm. where when I felt sad, I went into prayer. Mm. Um, I had a journal full of like, just praying, 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 and, and just talking to God, you know, and So I went into the prayer room in that building and I started talking to God. And then like I was praying, I felt like I needed to pray out loud. So I was praying out loud. I was asking God to deliver me from the depression I was feeling in that moment. And then I started speaking in tongues. Didn't, didn't believe in it. Wasn't into (laughs) it. I started, you know, they call it light language on Instagram right now. And I'm like, no, y'all are speaking in tongues. I know that one. Like, (laughs) I know what that is. And, you know, I grew up in this, like this sect of Christianity where we didn't believe in that we weren't mm-hmm. into that, but, but to, to use a word that I feel like a, a lot of people can understand and connect to what I was having was a shamanic experience mm-hmm. with no elders. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I think a lot of people have those experiences when I was speaking in tongues, I like, I was, you know, whatever, whatever that, whatever that did for me, it brought me back into center. Right. And then thankfully I had, I had community. I had an elder who I could go to and say, I had this experience. And he was like breaking it down for me. He was like, listen, what you had was a psychic attack. That wasn't attack against you. It was you being overwhelmed empathically by someone else's experience. Mm -hmm. So somebody was having an experience inside of the building that you were not privy to. You soaked it all in. It moved through you and Mm -hmm. you did the right thing. You sat there and you, you moved it out of your body and you transited it forward, forward into Mm -hmm. back into the void to be like recycled that energy mm. be recycled and not live in you and not be um internalized inside of you as your own story and like that that was the guidance that was the <laughs> guidance that I needed in that moment to yeah. like get back get back to myself because I was having a full body experience I think that this is something that also is missing from the conversation is like people who are having these experiences are actually fully in their bodies, but it's so overwhelming that they want to get out of them as quickly as possible. Right. And so, so, but like that experience, the viscerality, the medicine that's moving through you, the intensity, the nausea, the pain, the anxiety, that's a part of the experience. Mm -hmm. And so the reason why we have elders is to hold us in that space, to contain us in that intensity so that we know, we know, Hey, this isn't you and you're going to live through this right and so and then how do you get that like like learning how how to get the message so that you're not like cycling on it and internalizing it and making it your whole identity mm-hmm. you're actually able to come back to yourself at the end of that mm-hmm. and you know what i want to say to the 5d consciousness community is like yes 
let's go. Let's connect to the 5D. Let's connect to all the levels. Let's like channel all the stars and the star seeds. I'm like, so about that. I'm fully about it. And also for people to know that, Hey, like your whole identity isn't this. Yeah. Get the message. Terrence, Terrence McKenna said, get the message and get out. Right. Like, like once you got the message, it's time to go. And like, it's, we're not staying in the mushroom experience our whole life, right? We're interfacing with the magic of the mushroom or the magic of the Akashic records or the, the magic of, you know, the channeling that we're doing Mm -hmm. with, you know, whoever is reaching out to us from the pinnacle or from, you know, Sirius or whatever. And then we're moving it through, we're moving it through, we're depositing it into the earth. What's the medicine that wants to move through you? And that's what, like, part of it is, like, this is why it makes me so sad when people, like, hold all of their medicine inside and for themselves. Mm. This is not, like, and and that's where the psychosis comes in, where you are, like, holding it all in and you're fracturing yourself off from the wholeness of your being, Mm. right? Like, you're, you're fracturing this part of you off and you're terrified. Is this my whole identity now? Is this my whole identity now? Will I have to drop everything? Will I have to leave my job? Will I have to leave my Mm. family now? Because I had a spiritual experience. And the answer is no. Um, The answer is maybe the answer is what is the medicine calling you to do right now? Can we drop into that first? Right. Can we like drop into the fact that this is transiting through you? This is not you. Right. And so I feel like a lot of like, like people who are awakening are missing that like gentle guidance that I feel really thankful to have had, but my brother didn't get that. Right. My Mm -hmm. brother didn't have those people in his life. And so he is, he's, you know, quote unquote, permanently fractured in his experience. And he, he can't show up to be a dad or a husband. Um, he can't live on his own anymore, right? He, he is permanently like fractured according to the doctors. And I know I have the sense that he's not permanently fractured. He's just never, there's a part of it where he's never tasted what I've experienced before in like wholehearted community, Mm -hmm. right? Where people are welcoming him in, welcoming in his experience, not calling it bad, not calling Mm -hmm. it like, you know, like not calling it psychotic, but like witnessing what is, what is the medicine moving through you right now? Where is it stuck? Can we keep moving it through? I know, I know folks who have moved through the, through the, through these experiences got stuck right? In an area, mm-hmm. went to the doctor, was, mm-hmm. we're told you're bipolar, you're schizophrenic, you're X, Y, and Z. But then two, two years later, they're stable. They're stabilized. They're in their own experience. They're in their bodies. They're hanging out in the culture. They're being people, right? They're loving, they're learning. No bipolar, uh, like, you know, there's no like symptoms of the psychosis anymore because they were given an opportunity to be witnessed and have things move through them without the judgment. That's what eldership is for in these experiences. We need to call that back, right? We are the future elders in that responsibility. So as more and more people are are waking up without a choice, they're just being initiated by life. And then how do we witness that and hold that and not judge it? you know? Yeah. Well, I love, I mean, there's so many, I feel like this is like a whole topic that I, yeah, Mm -hmm. I love, I'm here for it. Um, but yeah, I mean, I just wanted to sort of, 
like kind of point to a couple of threads that I was hearing as you were kind of sharing that story of your awakening of like, yeah, you had this spiritual awakening, right? And then that was actually, at least from what I'm hearing, possibly your instinct that kind of kicked in that somehow knew what to do, right? And there was Mm -hmm. the tongues that came out and there was like your instinct actually helping you find safety in what initially felt probably to your nervous system, like somewhat of a destabilizing um, experience. And then you had an elder who could properly attune you to, could could properly mirror to you what had happened in a way that then allowed your instinct and, and intuition, that intuitive opening that you had, and then sort of that more like instinct place to, to start to, to, to stay together rather than some of that fracturing you were kind of pointing to later of, yeah. does that feel true to you at all? I would say, okay, I would say that I experienced it a little bit differently. Okay, beautiful. I would say that my rituals are what caught me. Mm. My rituals, my belief system caught me. Mm. Mm. So my instinct was saying, I am not safe. I want to die. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's what my instinct was saying. And my my Mm. instinct was saying, I don't belong here. I need to leave. Mm -hmm. I want to die. Mm. I'm sad. I'm beyond I'm beyond sad. Yeah. I don't belong. That's what my instinct was saying. Okay. And then, um, and I would say that my rituals were yeah. what caught me and my intuition was grasping for like, what is happening? Yeah. So just to bring a more nuanced perspective yeah. to this, like it's okay for instinct and intuition to be developing. Mm-hmm. We don't all automatically know the truth coming out of the womb. Right. <laughs> these, these, these gifts inside of us need to be developed through time. Mm-hmm. It's, I think it's actually fracturing and disorienting to tell people who have never had an opportunity to deeply develop their instinctual nature and their intuition, go and listen to your body, mm-hmm. listen to your body, listen to your body, listen to your body. Mm. I think it's unfair actually, because the truth is most people haven't had an opportunity to have that aspect of them deeply attuned and developed. Mm-hmm. So if I were to listen to my body in that situation, I would have committed suicide or mm. I would be, you know, I would think about, think of myself as like something, there's something wrong with me. I have a chemical imbalance and I would be labeling myself on TikTok right now, all over the place with many different diagnoses. I would mm-hmm. be telling people my experience of what it's like to live with, you know, all the different acronyms that I have <laughs> instead of being actually in my body and my, my experience, right. Of like, sadness is moving through me. I want to die. My rituals caught me. Mm-hmm. My training caught me. Mm-hmm. What was instilled in me caught me. And then later, a couple of days later, I was able to have an elder, David, mm-hmm. come to me and say, oh, it's okay. Like, this is not weird. Mm-hmm. You're, what The experience you had is normal. Here's what happened. And he was asking me questions and checking in with me. He was like, here's the skill that you need to learn. You need to be able to discern when you walk into rooms, what is my energy and what is not. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the teaching that came in to support mm-hmm. me to develop my intuition and my instinct mm-hmm. so that in the future, when I'm feeling that <gasps> I'm actually able to not only catch it with my rituals, but also have a developed intuition that could say, oh, this is what this is. Let me speak mm-hmm. to it. Let me commune with it. Let me talk to it. Mm. And let me figure out what is mine and what is not, and then figure out 
what do I need to do with it? Am I being called? So this is where the intuition comes in. Am I being called to do anything with this thing that I feel that I know mm-hmm. is not my energy? Mm-hmm. Right? So mm-hmm. that development that got to take place there because I had an elder in my life. If I didn't have an elder, I would have fractured myself. I would have felt shame. I would have hidden that experience mm-hmm. away from people. Um, mm-hmm. And then it would have gotten worse, right? Yeah, yeah. Mm. Thank you for yeah bringing more nuance to that. Because I think that's just such an important piece of the conversation, you know, like you said, more and more people are awakening and we don't have the elders and in a lot of spaces, people don't have the rituals to catch them. You know, I mean, as, as much as I'm sure there were plenty of things within, you know, the cult that were not ideal for you and were a reason you needed to get away, it, you know, there's... I mean, it's still, you know, there's a gift in some of the aspects of it. It sounds like, yeah, there was like, there was still the gift of structure that it offered Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. to connect with the divine. Mm -hmm. And I took everything literally. I was like, oh, I'm going to connect with the divine. Great. I'm going to pray. And the divine is going to like reach back to me and guide me out of the cult. (laughs) Like that's Mm -hmm. literally what happened. Right. Like, it's like, oh, the divine has more grace for me than I I ever thought that he or Mm. she did. Oh, the Holy Spirit is a lot more nuanced. I started to develop my own relationship with the the culty tools and tactics that I was given. And yeah, it supported supported me. It Mm -hmm. really supported me to have Mm -hmm. the structure. Mm. And I don't, I know that like, you know, I'm not saying that every person who survives a cult experience is going to feel that way. Mm-hmm. Um, or should, mm-hmm. but I'm thankful that I can, I'm at this point now where I can like hold that experience as what it was, is mm-hmm. a, a formative experience. And in many ways it supported me. Yeah. Mm. Well, that sort of feels like I'm aware of our time and sort of starting to, to land the plane here. Um, but that feels like, um, kind of a one last piece. I feel like there's a lot of rhetoric right now too. And and I know you use it and I use it around like, you know, finding your medicine. Right. And so, you know, and, and, and so how would you, for anybody who's not as familiar with that term or that expression or that concept, how would you sort of describe, um, yeah, the medicine and what your, what someone's unique medicine is and, and thinking of themselves or their experiences as, medicine yeah I feel like the medicine that we all have is like it's who we are and what we bring beneath all of our programming and conditioning like what actually truly lights us up and delights us what do we see what do we know that feels very specifically like our own way of seeing and being in the world so a lot of people, um, I feel like people, and I know only know this because when people come into my spaces or I interact with people who are asking this question of me in the world, they often think of medicine as something that you do or administer or something that some kind of modality that you create through. And I would say that modalities are vehicles and what the medicine is what fills the vehicle. The medicine mm-hmm. is what is like, delivered through the vehicle moving through space and time mm-hmm. um, and so your medicine is like kind of ineffable it's like mm-hmm. what is your frequency what's your code what's your what's your way of being in the world that mm-hmm. um is very uniquely yours right and 
Um, I think of it like your fingerprint, your essence, right? It's, it's only you. It may look similar to someone else's. It may sound similar to, you know, a group of people who are holding a very similar frequency, but yours is unique. Your, your, the way that you care about something is going to be very unique. And how do you wield that? How do you hold that? How do you Mm -hmm. shape that? It's very tied to the instinct and intuition conversation of like, um, you know, which are really powerful gates for our medicine to flow through. Um, so, so yeah, it's just like a very unique, like, it's like your breath, right? It's like how your breath flows through you and how your energy flows through you. It's very unique to you. Um, so I don't know if that was like a straightforward enough answer yeah. for people sometimes want me to deliver the tincture in a bottle and I'm like uh-huh. no, we're about to go to the field babe let's go like we're yeah to, like go interface with these flowers and have a conversation um yeah. which I think is a really powerful way to develop relationship with our medicine hmm. yeah yeah I love that I mean yeah it's it's our presence when we're when we're most intact you know and and so I love that you spoke to the the pleasure of it because you know, I think the piece I often too um, remind people is like, yeah, it's like the things that we care so much about and that we love so deeply are also the things that are usually nestled right into the things that hurt us the most, you Mm -hmm. know, because it wouldn't have hurt so much if it wasn't so close to what we cared about so, so deeply, you know, the things that I don't, that just don't mean as much to me. It's like, if you lose something that doesn't mean that much to you, you're just like, oh, well, that's kind of inconvenient, but oh, well, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and you move on. But if you like lose something that means a lot to you, like it's a much deeper, like, it, you know, the loss cuts much deeper or you feel it much deeper, or much bigger or whatever the right term for the experiences. And so, yeah, so, you know, it's, yeah, I think that instinct intuition, but then also then sort of the piece that you were just sharing about kind of the cult, but also the rituals, you know, and so for you as like, and who and what you are and what you, what you do end up bringing forth into the world, but, you know, through who and what you are. And yet there's that, that thing that is what lights you up. And that's always been true to you, you know, and that you allowed you even in the midst of maybe that allowed you to take literally, as you said, what, what you were being taught and then kind of find your own way with it, you know, because that was your gift. And then it was also delivered in a complicated, complex package. <laughs> and so I love, I think that for me is part of why I like love the term medicine, you know, because sometimes it's bitter, sometimes it tastes good, but it's like, it's really, it, to me, somehow that term feels again, like a more intact term that encompasses like the totality of our experiences, like, and the ups and downs of it. Um, yeah. Hmm. Well, so thank you so much for, for being here today. And, um, yeah, I love this conversation. So thank you. Yeah. Thank you for having me. It was a delight Mm -hmm. to talk about these things and, to talk about them in this way it feels really good. Good. I'm glad. Um, how can people find you or is there anything you're up to? I know you're sort of, I know from having spoken to you before that, yeah, things may be transitioning a little bit, but yeah. How can people find you or what are you up to? Or what would you like, anything you'd like people to know about 
connecting with you or working with you if they're feeling called in that direction? Yeah, I'm in this place where um, I'm simplifying a lot right now um, and really just kind of allowing myself to have a little bit more space in between myself and my work. Mm. So in this next season, I won't be taking on a lot more coaching clients or doing a lot of programs or, or workshops or anything like that. But if people want to connect in with my writing um, and with just what I'm up to, they can find me on the story doula at Instagram, um, on Instagram at the story doula <laughs> or on my website at www.thestorydoula.co. Um, and sometimes I share longer form musings on Substack, which is thestorydoula.substack.com. Okay. Awesome. I'll make sure I have links to all of those in the show notes and yeah. Yeah. And I totally get that. I too have been feeling this need to step back a little from some of my outward facing work and just kind of, yeah, the medicine of simplicity feels like it's coming through. <laughs> mm -hmm. And that, that who am I when I'm not thinking I am what I'm doing in the world, you know, right. like just because I'm feeling just because the work I do feels vocational, like in that it is a true deep expression of who I am in the world and a natural extension of the expression of who I am in the world doesn't mean it has to be all of who I am. Okay. And yeah. Mm. Well, thank you. Well, I'll invite all of us listening and yeah, to just kind of take a couple deep breaths here. And if it feels good to hold yourself in some way, maybe it's a hand to your heart and a hand to your low belly or or to just touch something into the space around you or just somehow whatever feels good for you to just kind of start to, to thank this space and this fire and the circle that's gathered here and to invite in integration from whatever this conversation may have opened And to invite in the right people and circumstances to support that integration and that nourishment. Knowing that, yeah, can always, we're perfectly designed. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. And so with that, yeah, thank you. With that, we, yeah, we step away from the fire for this time, knowing that we'll gather again soon. <laughs> yeah. Thank and you. Take so with us what's ours to take and leave what's ours to leave. And yeah. Thank you, Kate. Thank you, Dajay. Appreciate mm. this time. I appreciate you and this time. Yeah. So thanks, everybody.